My wife and I recently traveled to New York City to celebrate our wedding anniversary. Within a couple of days, we had taken what seemed like a walk through the entire island of Manhattan. But there was one site we had yet to see, the September 11th memorial at Ground Zero. Although we had gone to New York to celebrate, this part of our trip commanded our solemn silence. There, in the very place where the north and south towers of the World Trade Center had crumbled before the world's disbelieving eyes more than ten years before, were two square pools, enormously wide and thirty feet deep. Water cascaded into the pools on all sides from a great height, yet with a strange gentleness. From there the water drained into deeper yet smaller pools, the bottoms of which we could not see. Surrounding both pools were bronze parapets, roughly waist-high. Etched in the bronze are the names of those who died in the September 11, 2001 attacks and the 1993 World Trade Center bombing. As we paused to read the names, we were struck by the display's two unique features. First, the names are not arranged alphabetically. Rather, they are arranged by meaningful adjacencies. The names of victims who worked together, who were related or who had died together, were listed near each other. The names of first responders and rescue workers who served, lived, and died together were also in close proximity. The meaningful adjacencies conveyed just that, a sense of meaning to the names in a relational context that a mere alphabetical listing could not provide. The memorial subtly tells the stories of people and the significance of their everyday lives in addition to how they tried to help each other amid the chaos. It speaks of relationships, not just of one event. The memorial's second striking feature was not as obvious. Among the meaningful adjacencies, we saw several names of women etched in the bronze, along with the inscription, and her unborn child. Yes, the unnamed unborn were listed among those who lost their lives in the tragedy. The loss of those unborn lives was just as meaningful. One cannot linger in a place like the 9-11 memorial without pondering serious questions. What was going through the minds of those who were facing death? What accounts for evil in the heart of humanity? And what accounts for the heroism of those who tried to save lives at the expense of their own? What accounts for human suffering? Does religion or religious belief necessarily entail violence? Where is God when tragedy strikes? And seeing the effort to list the names of those who died in meaningful ways and the recognition of the unborn people as meaningful brought up further questions. Do people have objective value? What determines their value? Is there something intrinsically valuable about a person even if he hasn't had the chance to contribute to society or the well-being of others? Every major worldview claims to provide answers to such questions. But what do I mean by worldview? I like James Sire's definition of a worldview as a commitment, a fundamental orientation of the heart that can be expressed as a story or a set of presuppositions that we hold about the basic constitution of reality and that provides the foundation on which we live and have our being. Generally speaking, there are three main worldviews, naturalism, including atheism, pantheism, and theism. Major views and world religions come under the umbrella of those worldviews. From atheism to Hinduism to Islam to Christianity, there is no major worldview that has not struggled to provide answers to the questions that haunt us when we view memorials or are alone with nothing but our thoughts. In fact, for any system of belief to qualify as a worldview or a way in which we view the world, the system has to be comprehensive. It has to address all facets of life's main questions, from the broad ideas to the minute details. If a belief system fails to address all the central questions of life, it fails to be a view of the world, because it leaves significant aspects of our existence unaddressed. Any worldview worth believing should also be internally consistent as it answers these questions. In other words, a worldview's answers to one set of questions, say, answers to questions about human origins, should not contradict its answers to another set of questions, say, answers to questions about meaning and purpose. 
If it provides fundamentally contradictory answers, there simply is no way to have any confidence in any of those answers. If a worldview fails to provide cohesive answers, answers that directly address a particular question while consistently cohering to the answers it gives to other questions, it fails what is called the coherence test for truth. And if it fails that test, it should lose in the competition for our allegiance.